0: Welcome to Down to Business with V, a show dedicated to bringing you actionable information to help protect you, your families, your businesses, and the community. I'm your host, V, and today we're discussing doxing and swatting, what it is, how to identify it, and what to do if you're a victim. Let's get down to business. From Atlanta, Georgia, to becoming a United States Marine, to Washington, D.C., and every place in between. Everybody calls me B. My goal is to bring you resources, education, and knowledge from sources you can trust that informs and protects to safeguard our families, our businesses, and the community. Now let's get down to business. Welcome to Down to Business with V, a show dedicated to bringing you actionable information to help protect you, your families, your businesses and the community. I'm your host V and today we're discussing doxing and swatting. To bring awareness to the issue, I have in the studio with me via Zoom, Rachel Gibson. Rachel is the director of the Center for Victim Service Professionals at the Center, the National Center for Victims of Crime. Welcome, Rachel. Good morning, thank you all for having me. Wonderful, thank you for being here. So Rachel, before we get into the topic today, tell us a little bit about the National Center for Victims of Crime and your role there.
1: Sure, so the National Center was started over 35 years ago. We're actually celebrating our 35th anniversary this year. And our center was founded because, the founder's mother, uh, Sonny Von Bulow, who was a socialite in New York, was a victim of crime. And it was during this criminal justice process that the family, um, you know, discovered that they weren't receiving receiving the best services possible. They were not treated well through that process, and so. It was during that um, experience that they had that they decided that there needs to be a national presence, a national voice who can speak for victims of crime, not only, um, you know, with legislators and lawmakers, but helping uh, survivors and victims navigate the criminal justice process. And so out of that uh, experience, our center was birthed. and we pride ourselves on serving all victims of crime. For those of us who do victim services work, we know that there are uh, domestic violence hotlines, sexual assault hotlines, human trafficking hotlines. There's a hotline for many types of victimization. But in our um, research and our understanding of crime, we know that victims can be experiencing all types of crime. So I may be a victim of domestic violence, also experiencing identity fraud. I could be a victim human trafficking while also being stalked and so we serve all victims of crime whatever their journey whether it be the beginning of the process or even maybe they have experienced crime years ago and they still are processing that and so we have our national victim connect hotline that serves all victims that helps them through that process that gives them the resources and supports that they need We also have our uh, VAS Center, which is our Victims Assistance Serving Tribes, which focuses on tribal communities. We know that there are over 500 uh, federally recognized tribes, and we understand that crime affects this particular community quite differently uh, than some of the counterparts. We understand that missing and murdered Indigenous women um, are often not given the same sort of uh, national presence as, as other uh, missing folks. And so we work with um, our vast center to provide indigenous and tribal communities the resources and support that they need. In my particular center, we work with victim service professionals, whether they be court professionals, advocates, law enforcement, law um, legal professionals, to get them training and technical assistance. So, training meaning there are tons of topics out there like doxing and squatting where they may not be familiar with it. That, and that's where we can provide them with expertise. And then, tra- uh, technical assistance, which is a you've got questions, we've got answers sort of deal, where If they're working with service providers or victims or survivors and they need help thinking something through, we can come in and provide them with our expertise and insight. And then we have some of our other centers, uh, like our uh, Research and Innovation, where we understand that crime victim data is often uh, not available, especially when we think about communities of color or communities that are typically at the margins, where we can do really good ethical data collection. Many times communities uh, have a distrust of the criminal justice system, and rightly so. And so we want to be able to go into communities, gather data, but also not just gather that data, but then give it back to the communities to use it to help better. their their community to get supports built, to get resources to victims and survivors. And so our Center for Research Innovation works closely with all of our other programs to make sure that our data collection is done in a meaningful and honest way. And so those are just some of our uh, national level projects and, and centers that we have at the National Center. And, you know, we we are definitely uh, excited to be here. I want to bring greetings on behalf of our executive director, Renee Williams, who couldn't be here but is excited to be a part of these conversations. And we just want to let your listeners know, like I said, that we have our Victim Connect hotline that is for anyone, any type of crime, even if you don't know if you've been a victim, because we know that to be true, that oftentimes victims don't know that they are victims of crime. And so if you think something might have happened or went on, feel free to reach out to us and we're able to provide you with that support. And then lastly, we do a lot of work with legislators and community leaders around how do we begin these conversations? We have a system, a criminal justice system that was built, um, but we know that it is Needs some work. It needs some improvement. And so, how do we make the system we have work better, work right, uh, work correctly for victims of crime? And and how do we uh, begin those conversations when we think about laws and statutes? Um, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that with doxing, especially when we think about how internet-based crimes are kind of far ahead of. Some of our laws and statutes, but that's not to say that there aren't really good laws on the books that can be used. And so we spend a lot of time thinking about how do we make the system work for victims and survivors, as well as supporting victim service professionals as they support victims and survivors.
0: Now, Rachel, thank you for that information. And um, your organization is doing a lot to help victims across, you know, different types of um different types of victimization. Talk to us about doxing. Explain to the audience that might not know what this phenomenon is, what it actually is, and what are some of the identifiers.
1: Sure, and I would be remiss if I didn't start at the beginning. Most of this crime that we're gonna talk about is rooted in power and control. There is a power dynamic here. There is an understanding that I want to exert power over someone else. And how do I do that? Well, I take something from them. And in in terms of doxing and swatting, we think about it as doxing, meaning that your intimate details of your, your life, your home address, workplace details, personal phone number, social security number, all of those what we call personally identifiable information is shared publicly without your consent. This is a type of crime that is done to punish, to intimidate, to humiliate. And if you think about the, the behaviors that someone who is doxing is exhibiting, a lot of those behaviors are the same behaviors we see happening in abusive relationships. They want to punish the victim. They want to intimidate. They want to humiliate. And so a lot of this is rooted in that kind of gender-based violence uh, uh, framework of understanding how these crimes take place. And a lot of of, of what we consider to be doxing and swatting are happening to public-facing people. So your celebrities, your politicians, if anyone is familiar with, I think it was maybe five or six years ago, Gamergate, where a lot of prominent women gamers who were getting recognized for being um, leaders in the gaming industry were getting doxed, were getting swatted. And and so what does swatting mean? Swatting is when you... um, someone will call 911 and say that um, that uh, someone is being held hostage or that uh, someone is getting ready to kill someone and then the SWAT team will be dis- dispersed to their house, causing fear or causing harassment, in some cases may cause injury to the victim. And so when we think about doxing or swatting, a lot of these crimes, like I said, are happening to public facing people, or even in the case of swatting, where uh, a lot of live streamers, so gamers who are live streaming their, um, if you're familiar with the site Twitch, where gamers will uh, stream themselves playing a game. And so the purpose of the, the, the swatting is to get the the reactions, the SWAT team busting through the door um, on on camera so that it is streamed uh, live. And so again, both doxing and swatting, we hear and see it taking place um, in in an online presence. A lot of this, this crime affects women. We do see men as victims. But we also see the level of pervasion, that uh, pervasive nature that happens to women, again, who are in prominent roles, whether they be politicians or gamers or celebrities. Um, and so that's kind of a, a nuts and bolts of, of understanding what doxing and swatting is. But again, thinking about the behaviors. And so when we think about someone who wants to uh, punish or harass or stalk. They're using these sorts of technologies to do it. But we have to remember that before the internet, before uh, laptops, before computers, before any of that, people were still doing these sorts of crimes. The internet or technology is causing the crime, these are about the behaviors of the person who chooses to do it. And so, if we remove the internet, remove computers, remove phones, these behaviors would still happen. So, you know, we have to think about it from the lens that it's not the technology's fault, um, but it is the person doing it. Now, do companies have a due diligence to provide? Um, Uh, services or platforms that can be set up securely and so that people can maintain their security and privacy? Absolutely. But again, we always want to make sure that onus is placed on the abusive person, on the person who's choosing um, to do this. Um, And so we we definitely want to think about that. And so thinking about how doxing happens, doxing can range from someone's Signing, uh, sending a fake email about pizza delivery or email sign-up to, again, more dangerous um, actions such as harassing a family member or an employer of someone, uh, uh, doing identity theft, doing uh, forms of cyberbullying. All of these crimes are interconnected together. Um, And so that's kind of a a nuts and bolts of, of what doxing is. I can then, you know, we can talk about how does it happen, right? So there's a lot of different ways in which doxing can happen. Uh, it can happen by someone tracking a username. One of the things as a trainer, I talk to programs and survivors about is making sure that we're not using the same username across all accounts. As someone who does privacy and safety work, I tell people all the time this, but I'm also guilty of it. So don't feel like you, you know, oh my goodness, I'm, you know, I'm gonna get hacked today or tomorrow. But it is important to think about if you are in these settings, if, for instance, maybe doxing, um, you think that you're a victim of intimate partner violence and you your information may be doxed, then maybe we want to think about changing our username or updating our username. By having the same username across accounts, this allows a hacker or a person to gain knowledge about that person. It can allow for them to see, okay, this same username has signed up for a target account as well as a a Yahoo email account, as well as a restaurant account or whatever those accounts may be. And so they're able to track that username across multiple platforms.
0: Rachel, when you talk about the uh, the the ways that we can kind of mitigate it, um, those are all very, very interesting points. We wanna get more in detail um, with those types of concepts when we come back from the break. Uh, so we want you all to stay tuned. Rachel has a lot more information that's going to help you, your families, your businesses, and the community with this concept and this this epidemic of doxing. Stay tuned. Every organization is responsible for ensuring cybersecurity. The ability to protect its information systems from impairment or even theft is essential to success. Implementing effective security measures will not only offer liability protection, it will also increase efficiency and productivity. With our Cybersecurity Workshop, your participants will understand the different types of malware and security breaches develop effective prevention methods, which will increase overall security. They'll also understand the basic concepts associated with cybersecurity and what a company needs to stay secure. Find out more about training for you and your organization at vicargroup.com. Every year, millions of Americans fall victim to crime. At the National Center for Victims of Crime, we believe that every single victim deserves the support they need on their healing journey. We provide assistance to victims across the nation for every type of crime so that they can recover from the emotional, physical, and financial costs of their experience. But we need your help in this work. Find out more about the National Center and how you can help victims of crime by visiting victimsofcrime.org. Welcome back to Down to Business with V. I am your host, V, and today we're discussing doxing and swatting what it is, how to identify it, and what to do if you're a victim. Today we have with us via Zoom uh, Rachel Gibson, the director of the Center for Victim Service Professionals at the S- National Center for Victims of Crime. Rachel, welcome back. Thank you. Rachel, before we we move ahead, let's just give the audience that might be tuning in um, a brief recap on what we discussed earlier, what doxing and swatting is to start. Sure. Sure. So doxing is the um, sharing of
1: personally identifiable information or harmful information with the intent to intimidate, harass, humiliate. Uh, usually happens to public facing figures, celebrities, but it can also happen to victims of gender-based violence such as intimate partner violence or domestic violence, sexual assault, um, et cetera swatting is where people will make false claims, very convincing claims, to 911 saying that someone is either being held hostage or there's sort of some sort of emergency situation that will require a SWAT team to be present, and then they show up and there is actually no uh, no situation happening. But usually, this happens to uh, folks who are live streaming um, or cele- like I said, celebrities, prominent facing folks, uh, politicians who are either being online, uh, filming their gaming, um, so that it can also be shared online. Both doxing and and swatting, again, are forms of of violence that are rooted in that power and control to intimidate, harass, to cause fear, um, and um, evoke emotion and, 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 and feeling out of the victims.
0: Thank you so much for that, Rachel. Um, I know we discussed the doxing as it pertains to celebrities and uh, uh, politicians, even law enforcement. Um, However, there have been some cases where Um, university campus students might have experienced doxing, and then, you know, even here in our own local community, there was someone that was a victim of swatting, having police called over and over and over, and a crime being reported that wasn't actually happening. So both very um, disturbing, um, definitely happens to celebrities, but definitely happening to the everyday person as well. So um, what are some steps that everyday people, as well as those uh, celebrities and law enforcement officials and, you know, our political officials, what are some steps that they can take? I know that our celebrities and law enforcement and public officials might be getting briefed on this, but for the everyday person that's not getting a brief, let's brief them today. What can they do to mitigate it?
1: Sure. And a lot of times we'll see doxing and swatting in those sorts of kind of everyday folk cases, like I said earlier, rooted in other types of crime. And so intimate partner violence, sexual assault. I know many times when victims of sexual assault decide to speak publicly about their assault. Not only are they experiencing the assault that they've they've had, but also online bullying, online harassment, that doxing and swatting can happen. So I love that you brought that up. And so when we think about for the everyday person and everyday person or politician, these are just some tips and strategies everyone should take, right? Whether you're a victim of crime or not. First is to consider your accounts. Are your accounts locked down? So many of our social media and our regular accounts like email, our bank account, offer privacy settings and security settings. So do you know what those settings are and have you utilized them? Uh, Multi-factor or two-step authentication is another tip. So not only do you have a password, but then you have a second step that someone must do in order to gain access to your account. That's another uh, tip. Most importantly, for, for the everyday person, trust your instincts. If you think that something's not right, something's not right. So, so document it. Uh, take note of what's happening. What type of devices are being used? What type of, of um, technology being used? Does it happen in the morning? Does it happen in the evening? Do you have screenshots of messages posted? So documenting uh, that information will be important. And then you know strategically plan Uh, around the technology use. One of the things we hear often for victims of crime is that they should just get off the internet. Well, if you didn't use it, you wouldn't get harassed, you wouldn't get doxxed, you wouldn't get swatted. But that's not feasible in today's time. We do so much from our, our computers and our cell phones that there is no feasible way for people to get offline and it puts the onus back on the victim. And so if If a survivor, if a victim, if someone in the community wants to still use their technology, then they're going to have to think strategically about that. So maybe they have to get a different phone. Maybe they're using a Google voice number. Maybe they have an email account for emails they share with their friends and family and emails that they get their coupons sent to. Maybe it's uh, setting up uh, accounts with no photos of themselves. So there's a lot of really good strategies out there that victims can take. And I want to highlight a really good resource by uh, a partner organization, the National Network to End Domestic Violence. Their techsafety.org blog has tons of great resources that can help victims and even the everyday community member think about how do we lock down our, our, our accounts in a safe and meaningful way? one thing to think about is that social media is about being social, right? Our technology means that we want to be social, we want to be active, we want to stay connected. And that's all great. But for those of us who might be concerned with our accounts, with our safety, with our privacy, we can still do that. But we have to do that in a way that um, can minimize risk. Because again, what we know to, to be true about this sort of crime is that remove the talk and and the violence might still be there, but there are ways to mitigate risk. And so there are some really good strategies that victims and survivors and folks in the community can take. One of the, the things I always jokingly tell people is to lie. Now let's think about that, right? When we say lie, that means use strategic answers to strategic questions. Most of our intimate partners or even those folks who are doxing and swatting using social engineering can guess our high school mascot, our first car, our third grade teacher's name. So when we are asked those questions lie, no one's going to check. No one, Google's not going to say, hey, you're using the wrong name. Your third grade teacher was Miss Smith but make sure that you are using questions and answers that someone who knows you or someone who can guess by your repeated behavior online can guess. So I give you all of that information, but there's tons of really great resources out there that can go more into
0: depth. Thank you so much for that, uh, Rachel. Very good tips there. Um, Talking about not providing accurate information when you're answering the security questions, things that other people can guess. Um, We did another show on on that. where we kind of talked about some of those, those password security reset questions and um, how to make those more secure as well Mm -hmm. as our our passwords and passphrases. So Rachel, I know in our initial discussion offline, we talked about reporting doxing and some ways that that can be done. Um, A lot of times people think of reporting as reporting solely to law enforcement, but you mentioned that there are other ways to report and other types of reporting. So can you talk to our audience in the few minutes that we have left about the different ways to report and what those are? Sure. So I think about reporting in in, in a couple of
1: different buckets. The first bucket is, like you said, reporting to law enforcement. There are ways in which you can get criminal charges. Now, this is a long and tedious process and could be very traumatizing for victims. But there is, you know, a way to report through a criminal process means. The second, though, is is where I have seen victims who maybe don't want to go through a criminal recourse but want to report that the behavior is happening. And so the FTC, if you're receiving those scam social media calls, if you're receiving robocalls, if you're getting um, data brokers, uh, getting access to your information, you can report to some of the federal organizations or, say, for instance, it's happening on social media most social media sites have some sort of reporting process and so you can report that what you're experiencing to those uh, companies so that they may take action. And then lastly you can think about just reporting them to online. Um, I know people put, uh, put people on blast all the time and so if you you know put it out there so folks know, shame the shame the, the, the hacker, shame the folks if you have access to that information. But I do want to make sure people know that reporting comes with risk. It may not be safe for someone to report, whether it be to law enforcement or online, um, because it could identify to the person that they um, no longer have that power and control, that they are being watched. And so I always give the caveat that if you do report, do so with your privacy and safety in mind. And Reporting could be just it yourself so that if you do decide to, to report later on, you have that evidence, you have that information. So those are the kind of ways in which I think about reporting and and how victims or, or, or survivors or anyone can get recourse if they do choose to do so.
0: Thank you so much for that, Rachel. All very, very impactful information. If you have additional questions, concerns, of course law enforcement in your local community is there to assist and to serve. And the National Center for Victims of Crime does have resources readily available on their website for victims as well as survivors of these types of crime. Rachel Gibson, Director of the Center for Victim Service Professionals at the National Center for Victims of Crime. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank our guest, Rachel Gibson, director of the Center for Victim Service Professionals at the National Center for Victims of Crime. Thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing your insight and expertise with our audience today. We certainly do appreciate you. I'd also like to thank our studio and production team, Hannah, Hank, Eric, Stephen, Suzanne, and Doug, thank you so much for all you do to make this show possible. I'd also like to thank you, last but not least, our audience for watching. If you'd like to sponsor the show, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or if you have ideas for the show, be sure to email us at show at dtbwithv.com. Thank you so much. Be sure to join us next time. On Down to Business with V, a show that brings you actionable information to help protect you, your families, your businesses, and the community. I'm your host, V. We'll see you next time.